Sports Pen with you here on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along here on a Wednesday. And per usual on Wednesdays, we're joined by ABC 10's John Michael Hoefling here in our makeshift phone line from my apartment on the lakeshore as we continue to work from home amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. How you doing, Mike? Doing all right. Doing all right. Good to be back. Good to be back. Looking forward to the NFL draft, as I'm sure you are. Oh, I can't wait. It's one of my favorite nights of the year, regardless of what we're going through outside the nfl draft is always something that i look forward to it is my favorite event of the nfl offseason i can't wait so we're only what are we now a little over 24 hours or so until then it's it's going to be draft day and there's going to be plenty of content for us uh what about you what are your plans for the draft you're going to be on air at the time you're going to be able to watch it you're doing something at abc 10 for the draft well, we're not doing anything specific. Obviously, we're going to report on it. We're going to talk about it. But, I mean, I'll probably watch that Kevin Costner movie once or twice and then just really get in the spirit. And then, and then just sort of watch and analyze and really see if my predictions come true or whatnot. Do you have a mod draft? Do you have some in place? I've been working on my mod draft, man, but so much can change. You know, there's talk about all these trades. I, I have the first five picks I'm pretty well confident in. Beyond that, I'm not really confident much. I think I'm pretty confident in my first I, – I could probably do the first 12. Hmm. Uh, no, I don't even know 12 because I'm not sure about the Oakland Raiders. But I you mean, mean the Vegas Raiders. No, yeah, <laughs> it's going to take some getting used to. I'm starting to get the hang of the L.A. Chargers rather than the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident with the Chargers now, but the Raiders are going to take a whole thing because, I mean, I grew up, my, my, my father and my brother are both fans of that team. So, I mean, I, I, I've grown up near them, too. So, like, ah, uh, that's going to be tough. How do, you have, how do you have a household that gets along with each other, you being a 49ers fan and the rest of your family being fans of the Raiders? Well, my mom's a 49ers fan. Okay, so well, that helps. It's half my family's a Raiders fan. It's also the same with baseball. Me and my mom are Giants fans, and then my dad and my brother are both Oakland A's fans. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm the biggest sports fan in my family. So I think I just care about it a little bit more, and since I care about it more, they're like, you know, we're fans of the other teams, but we don't care about it as much as Michael. So it's not a big deal. Like, like they can like the other team. How do, how that being said, my brother still does give me a lot of a, a lot of guff when the Giants don't do well, you know. Gives you the business, and he's probably been giving you the business quite a bit here the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> especially with the A's making the playoffs. I tell you, good stuff, though. I've always wondered how that comes about with family dynamics, but – Shoot, I love to hear it. Um, we've got plenty to get to here over the course of the next hour because there's a lot that's been happening here within the last day even. Certainly what's been going on in Tampa Bay and how the Buccaneers have become quickly the most intriguing team in the NFL. Plus, we'll continue to talk about the draft, take a look inside the head of content. Uh, the NBA and the G League are now posing one of the biggest threats to the NCAA. It's been a rough week for college athletics. We'll break, uh, break that down here after a bit, but... First of all, man, yesterday it was just a whirlwind of events that started, at least for me, I, I don't know if he was the first to report it yesterday, but the first report I saw was from Adam Schefter, and it was a tweet that said that the Buccaneers could be engaging in a trade for Rob Gronkowski, who, while retired for a year, his rights still belong to the Patriots, and a trade would need to be made similar to that of 
what the Seahawks and Raiders did with Marshawn Lynch a few years ago. And then it was like a firestorm, and all these reports came out within about 15 minutes until it was finally done. It went from uh, Gronk is coming out of retirement. Now he just needs his physical. Now he does have his physical done. He met with a private doctor in Boston, and now he's a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it was a whirlwind of events that could not have been 15 minutes in the making. It was simply reported during that time. But you wonder how long this has been going on. And I saw a different tweet from a Twitter account, NFL Insider Leroy, that reported this could happen all the way back on April the 8th. It was just a whirlwind of events yesterday. And now Tampa Bay is all of a sudden the most intriguing team in football. Yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't bring up Leroy. But, yeah, it's stunning how this whole thing turned out. And... I mean, I don't know. I got to feel kind of troubled for Julian Edelman and O.J. Howard, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants – Tom Brady doesn't want to play with Julian Edelman. And then O.J. Howard, who was supposed to break out with Tom Brady. I mean, O.J. Howard was supposed to break out every single year he's been in the NFL. But then he finally gets a quarterback who's known for utilizing his tight ends. When you have an athletic tight end, Tom Brady uses that and uses it efficiently. And now he's not there anymore. I don't know how long this thing's been going on. I know of, uh, one of my best friends is a Patriots fan. He thinks Tom Brady and Gronkowski's um, – he thinks the people in charge of presenting them mm-hmm. have been trying to set this up for some time. But obviously we have no idea on this whole thing. This all happened in 15 minutes. I was in a uh, group message with somebody with, – with two people regarding this whole thing. And before we could even really get into the conversation about whether or not it could happen, it had already happened. <laughs> it was so weird how this firestorm just came to be in a matter of minutes. Now, here's the thing. Um, I do agree that while this progressed rapidly, the reports did rapidly, I feel like this was in the making longer than people want to talk about it because we know how good of friends Brady and Gronk are and a few years ago when Gronk was going to be traded to the Lions he said he would retire before playing with a different quarterback than Tom Brady well did you see uh there was this video that Tom Brady just put out on his Instagram and Tom Brady's one of those guys now that he's away from Belichick and Gronk the same way gets away from Belichick they're able to have a little bit of a personality now so Brady posts this video of him standing in this open field a plain or a prairie or what have you and he has like this horn and he blows the horn and it sends a flock of birds into the air and then Gronk comes rushing off the horizon like some kind of animal like he was being called because Brady sounded the horn and the two reunite. It's to symbolize that they're reuniting in Tampa Bay. But if you look at the video, Gronk is significantly heavier than he was, uh, than he is right now. He's about 80 pounds heavier, which tells me this may have been in the works for a long time. 80 pounds? I'm not sure. Hmm. If, if, if he's it's lost really a lot 80. of weight. Yeah, it, he did lose a lot of weight. And that was my biggest concern. And I don't know. I've talked to a lot of uh, former football players about this, college and high school level football players, and they all say that putting on football weight isn't too difficult to do. I know a guy who went through three ACL surgeries during his playing career, and he said every single time when he lost the weight, he would lose 20 to 30 pounds. He could put it back on in just a couple of weeks. So 
if that's the case, then I'm not too worried. But as of right now, I am a little worried. Is that going to affect his ability to block? Because that was one of Rob Gronkowski's biggest abilities. But uh, as for the video, I mean, you know that they were really good friends. Everybody knows that they were really good friends. Mm -hmm. Just from their Instagram videos and their entire aura that they played off together and whatnot. But I think the biggest thing is, how does this reflect on Belichick? Mm -hmm. If Rob Gronkowski wanted to come back, he obviously wanted to come back, and he obviously wants to play with Tom Brady. And it got to the point where he didn't want to play for Belichick anymore. Now, I know he hasn't said anything, and I know that nothing has come out in terms of a, an obvious displeasure with Belichick. But you have to imagine that that had something to do, or the New England culture had something to do with his desire to retire and just end his career while he was still in his prime, wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, Brock is a character. He's a guy that's outlandish, and that's not the Patriot culture there. So he gets out of it, and he, you know, I get it. The Patriot culture, do you want to win or do you want to have fun? Well, Brock thought, I've got a lot of winning. Maybe I can have a little fun here still. And, you know, my best friend is out of there now. Let's go hang out and be outlandish together. And Tom is, I mean, let's face it, Tom Brady's kind of a weird guy. I mean, that's it's not a knock against him or his playing style, but, I mean, he's kind of a weird guy. And it's okay to be weird. I'm weird. You know, we all got some weird in him. Uh, but he puts this video out on uh, his Instagram. And, again, I do want to clarify, I'm not reporting that Gronk has lost 80 pounds. It just looks like he's 80 pounds heavier in this video than he is right now. But like you said, Michael, that's a concern for me, too, is the weight that he's lost. But if what you're saying is indeed true, and I, I would love to have these conversations with uh, other athletes who had to try to put back on football weight, not just weight, but football weight, uh, that's that's concerning for all of us who are not Buccaneer fans uh, that we might be getting arguably the greatest tight end in all of football. Uh, I, I'd say he's top two. What are you, where are you, Mike? Would you rather have Gronk or Tony Gonzalez? Where are you on that? Gronk. Easy. Okay. Yeah, well, Tony Gonzalez was great, and I think the reason that a lot of people still say Tony Gonzalez is strictly because of longevity. But in terms of a per-game basis, a per-year basis, Gronk just blew every single person out of the water. And, yes, he had injury problems, but he's taken a year off now which can only be good news in terms of injury proneness and whatnot. So, yeah, he might not be in as good a football shape, but in terms of being healthy, I think that that year off is probably going to do wonders for him in the long run. Let's talk about where this puts Tampa Bay in terms of going to the postseason. Uh, are they, I mean, first of all, they're in a division with a really good New Orleans team who's maybe a piece away from getting to a Super Bowl. They are in a division with a Carolina team that's obviously got uh, its holes, its flaws, but they've got a new coach and one of the most fun players to watch. They've got Atlanta, who is kind of a mixed bag. You never know what to expect. What What is the expectation now for Tampa Bay? I mean, should we start saying that they're a playoff team? I was thinking they were a playoff team before Rob Gronkowski. I think just having Bruce Arians in the mix with a legitimate quarterback who makes good decisions was already going to be a very good thing. We started to see an increase in their defense. Or their, their defense started to play better. Sack leader Shaquille Barrett's going to be returning. I sort of get a Vic Beasley vibe from him where I think this is going to be a flash in the pan, a one-year wonder type deal. But it's still, it's still a move. It's still moving in the right direction. I think Devin White is also 
a fantastic addition. Is it Devin White or Devin Bush? I always get them confused. Um, I believe it's Devin White. Which one's White. on the Steelers? Which one's on the Bucks? I believe Devin Bush is with the Steelers. Devin White is with the Bucks. Okay. Nonetheless, both of them, regardless of who was on the Steelers, regardless of who was on the Bucks, both of them played outstanding last year at that linebacker position. So the defense is starting to make the right moves too. They're becoming a more complete team. And I think, like, obviously, I've talked about the Bruce Arians on your show dozens and dozens and dozens of times. The team went from a legitimate – the team went from a, some, a, a team that nobody really cared about, nobody really talked about or was concerned about in the NFC South, to a team that had legitimate offensive weapons and was legitimate firepower house, a house of just incredible offensive capabilities in one year. And yes, 30 interceptions is a problem, but that's not going to happen next year. 5,000 yards might not happen also, but I guarantee you in Bruce Arians' offense with Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard, we're going to see at least 4,000 yards from Tom Brady, and that's always a good thing. Well, their defense, I think, is a lot better than statistically what they showed last year because they were put behind the eight ball so many times by Jameis Winston's turnovers, his 30 interceptions. I really think that defense is going to be better this year. At least they're going to have better numbers this year. I think they're better than their numbers showed from a year ago. With Tampa Bay, I mean, here's the thing. Tom Brady getting put into the mix really didn't move the needle that much for me if they were going to be a playoff team or not. I thought they'd be probably slightly above average. Uh, with Gronk, that might do it for me, but and the NFC has got, I don't know, how many legit playoff contenders now? I mean, eight, maybe nine teams that legit could find their way into the postseason. I get we added another playoff team this year. Uh, first of all, are we thinking about Tampa Bay as a wild card? Have they gotten to the point where they can contend for the division with New Orleans yet? I'm not sure that they have. I don't think that they're to the point where they can compete for the division, but I will say that I think they are at the point where I legitimately consider them a Super Bowl team. And I, I know that we're, I know that a lot of teams and a lot of people say, like, oh, you know, the, their teams, there's a ton of teams that could win the Super Bowl. In my opinion, there's only five that could legitimately win the Super Bowl next year. The 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the New Orleans Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are my five, and that's it. Those are the only five teams that I feel are in a position to immediately next year win the Super Bowl. Every other team just didn't feel in the same stratosphere in the NFC. Like, the Green Bay Packers were great, then they got to the NFC Championship, and it just didn't feel like a competition. The Seattle Seahawks are great, but, I mean, they could compete with the 49ers, but they couldn't beat the Packers. And then in the AFC, I feel like it's just going to be Mahomes and Jackson all over again. I think it's going to be their house for a long, 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 long time. And maybe Watson could sneak up in there if Bill O'Brien wasn't constantly trying to destroy that place. <laughs> Bill O'Brien is pulling a Chip Kelly, what he did in Philadelphia from a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I tell you what, the NFL is great, giving us this kind of content, and Tampa Bay is suddenly in a position where they could be relevant for the first time. And I think the last time they made the playoffs, Michael, was 2008. Uh, I believe they ran into the Giants in the first round en route to uh, New York's Super Bowl victory in Super Bowl 42. Uh, but Tampa Bay was – Josh Freeman's here? What's that? Was that the start of the Josh Freeman era? I 
I couldn't no, imagine no, no, no. it could be. <laughs> I no. could you no, he was he, he was drafted the same year as Cam Newton, so but either way, yeah, I, I don't even remember who was quarterback of that Tampa Bay team the last time they made the playoffs. They were the only NFL team, I believe, along with Cleveland. I think them and Cleveland might have been the only two NFL teams that didn't make the playoffs in this last decade. I mean, it's been a long time, and this is a franchise that is relevant for the first time in really how long the most relevant they've certainly ever been. Has there ever been a more obvious choice for hard knocks? <laughs> you think Tampa Bay is it? I th it has to be, right? Is there another team that you could I, see making it? I'm not sure. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think they're hard knocks uh, contenders. I, I see more them with Jameis Winston as being hard knocks contenders. So whoever gets Jameis Winston is more of a hard knocks team, you I, think? I think we could go with that. Yeah, whoever gets Jameis Winston, we might have to wait until after the draft to uh, to assess those needs to see where everybody is. But Right now, if I'm picking a front runner for Hard Knocks, um, you know what? What about the New York Giants? I mean, they're not the worst team in football, but they're certainly criticized. They're routinely made fun of for drafting Daniel Jones so high. Dave Gettleman is kind of a punchline in his own, just trying to do his accent. Uh, they could be a fun team. Well, also, I have thrown Jason Garrett becoming ah, offensive coordinator. That's good something, one. too. Good one. But yeah, that could be something. But, I mean, just the sheer yeah, – Tom Brady is no longer a Patriot. Mm. So you have to get his thoughts on it and how he's adjusting or what everybody thinks of seeing Tom Brady in a new uniform and having teammates who aren't Patriots and stuff like that. Rob Gronkowski, arguably the greatest tight end of all time, coming back from retirement to play with his buddy, his pal, for one more last go, this last hoorah. You have two of the best receivers, a young star at running back coming up, the sack leader from last year, a coach that came out of retirement, was in the booth on Monday Night Football, or maybe not Monday Night Football, but he was in the booth and came out of retirement to come back and coach Jameis Winston. And now Winston's gone, and it's like, what are the expectations now? Because they're a team that went 7-9, and nine, but how much are they going to improve this year? I don't know. There's so many storylines I feel like we could follow with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's, if good, they were to... that's a good point. I mean, I think you're convincing me because if this team goes like 9-7, and seven, I think a lot of people will consider that a major disappointment. And yeah, maybe, maybe there is some hard knocks content there, I tell you what. Um, I do want to bring this up here before we go to break, and it's a few player comparisons to you. Before yesterday's news about Rob Gronkowski, I saw a comparison saying that Brady going to the Buccaneers is like Michael Jordan going to the Wizards. Now that Brady and Gronk are in Tampa Bay, I'm seeing the comparison to Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce leaving the Celtics to go to the Nets. Which of those two do you like better? Which of those player comps? Um... Well, I, I don't I don't think I've ever heard Tom Brady get compared to Kevin Garnett before just because <laughs> Kevin Garnett isn't widely considered one of the greatest of all time. Um, I don't really like either of those, if I'm being honest. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the Jordan one. Just, and I know it, it didn't go well for Jordan and the Wizards. And we don't know if it's going to go well for Brady and the Bucks. But... Everybody, But when it happened, everybody was excited to see how it was going to go down. And that's the most important thing right now. And you can bet your bottom dollar 
that everybody's excited to see how the Buccaneers are going to do. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you here in ESPN UT, uh, ESPN UP. Wow. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, we'll talk a little more NFL draft here at ESPN. There are big changes coming to auto insurance. You'll have options you've never had before. At Mass, making sure you understand your options is our specialty. Sure, we all want to save money, but protecting yourself, your family, and your future is our top priority. Navigating auto reform is easy when you have someone steering you in the right direction. That's VAST. VAST is a proud provider of auto owners insurance. Auto owners, the no problem people. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Well, it was the big story this week. Now it's sharing the spotlight with the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. But first of all, Michael, uh, <laughs> we've seen a few new, uh, a few new looks in the NFL this season. Before we get to the draft, uh, some teams have been unveiling new jerseys. The Browns kind of went back to their roots. The Patriots are pretty much promoting their color rush jerseys. Atlanta went with a, a scheme that I, I just really don't like. I don't like the Falcons. Uh, new look. Uh, the Rams unveiled a new logo. But then yesterday, I thought this jersey offseason was saved when the L.A. Chargers dropped some bold-looking new uniforms. Man, they can't fill a stadium with their own fans, but man, they can design a uniform. Those look sharp. The Chargers always do well with their uniforms. Like, I know there have been so many polls and data that shows that everybody loves the powder blue uniforms, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody loves the logo. Everybody thinks it's the best logo in football, right? So it's got to be pretty easy for the Chargers to make people happy with design changes as long as they don't fade too far from what they already have, you know? Do you remember a few years ago they tried to rebrand and it was like an intercrossed L and A when they moved to Los Angeles and there was like a lightning bolt uh onto the legs of one of the letters and it looked like the LA Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Lightning had a baby and people hated it and the Chargers said no 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 this isn't actually our our new logo this is just promoting our move to Los Angeles and really after they got roasted on Twitter for how bad it was they decided to distance themselves from it to say no 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 we're we're not actually using this one this is just to promote our new Los Angeles roots, uh, but they did absolutely nail these. I mean, they were the clear Jersey winners this off season and they introduced like so the many of them. Team. Yeah. I feel like they're the only team that actually did well with their logo change. Mm-hmm. I mean, e- e- even the Indianapolis Colts tried to throw in one that had nothing to do with the horseshoe, nothing to do with anything. It was just a C with the state of Indianapolis. Do you remember seeing that yep, one? Yep. Yep. They're slightly changing their word mark. They're, Adding a secondary logo, which is, like you said, the Colts letter C uh, from the word mark with the outline of the state of Indiana uh, making up the C, making it look like a C. And, they, you know, they touched up a few things there. The Browns really didn't do anything except go back to what they already had about five years ago, maybe a couple of subtle changes. Um, the Patriots, they were, they're fine. I mean, the Patriot jerseys are very conservative. They're just – they're – fine it's just very vanilla and they didn't give their fans what they wanted the fans and i would love to see it want to see those red uniforms the old style with the white helmet and patriot pat hiking the football 
yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something, man. Well, it's gonna be something. Tampa Bay updated their uniforms a little bit this year too, and their fans are kind of the same boat. They want to throw back the creamsicle jerseys with the white helmet and the Buccaneer no, the, no, uh, the no, 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 team. No, that's the one. No, no, no. The Tampa Bay's new logos, the red and like sort of brownish or dark goldish or whatever. Mm-hmm. I really like those. Really? Or- Orange shouldn't be involved in any team. Any team. Let's face it. The Cleveland Browns do not look good with orange. Orange <laughs> and brown. Is there a single team, professional team, that looks good in orange? I think the Bengals look sharp, but, you know, it's Bengals. Okay, the Bengals look all right. Tigers, I will because, say you know, the Detroit Tigers, they were orange. And, but, you know, that works with the name. Well, I mean, even the Tigers, they're not like they're they're more navy blue or royal blue and uh, and white. But I don't really, I don't, I don't remember the last time I saw them in orange. Even the Giants, I'm a fan of the Giants, and they can barely make it work. <laughs> the only teams that I know look good in orange are the Cincinnati Bengals and the Netherlands soccer team, <laughs> the national soccer team from the Netherlands. That's it. That's it. Baltimore Orioles, no, no. And especially because the Giants and Orioles try to make it work, and even the Cincinnati Bengals, they try to make it work with orange and black. And that sort of gives off a Halloween vibe. So, you know, that can sort of work a little better. But when you go, you have the audacity, the audacity to not go orange and black, but go the opposite, orange and white, that is, that is a crime against all of – that is a crime against God and mankind, and it just does not work. I tell you what, I'm so happy you brought up one of those Netherlands soccer jerseys. I've actually got one of those. I went to the Netherlands, visited some extended family over there, and it was during the World Cup and got a Robin Van Persie jersey, and it was just so fire. Uh, Man, I'm thinking about those teams that wear orange that – uh, you know, we're going down the rabbit hole, but that's fine. That's what we do here on this show. And I'm thinking about teams that wear orange, and I'm trying to put them to the test to you. What about the Florida Gators? I mean, they supplement their royal blue with a little bit of orange. Even them, they uh, they at least know the have the idea of going with more blue than Limit orange, themselves. right? If it's orange and if it's orange and black, you can sort of get away with having your primary be orange. But when it's orange and blue, orange and white. Your primary needs to be the white or the blue. So the Gators do it smartly because they are basically entirely blue. But the Buccaneers, I mean, their tops were entirely orange, and that was the problem. So the Gators can sort of do it, but even still, I I mean, orange just doesn't work well in my eyes. How about Auburn? Would you consider that orange? No, I wouldn't consider that orange. If it's a third color, I mean, then you could say the San Jose Sharks use orange. How about the Philadelphia Flyers? Ooh, that's a good one. I you know, I don't like their I think, uniforms. I like the, I like their orange uniforms. Okay, all right. I'll give you that one. All right, I'll give Flyers. You that one. How about the Syracuse orange? Would you consider Syracuse primary color orange, even though that's in the name, or navy? I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know Syracuse's jerseys that well. How about Clemson? Clemson looks good. Clemson looks good in orange. Uh, They're orange and white, too. Well, they got a little bit of purple. They supplement a little bit of purple, too. Yeah. All right, you're making me eat my words right now. (laughs) Well, no, no, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to go through some some of these teams, and I just – I don't know. I – I don't hate I know, those. It just makes me, it just makes me think that I haven't put enough thought into this. How about Oregon State? 
Oh, I've always hated Oregon State. You Oregon have. State and Oklahoma, Oregon State and Oklahoma State. I've always hated their jerseys. Really? Yeah. I, I actually really like Oregon State's baseball uniforms, like the the black cap with the intercrossed O and S and orange. I mean, to me, that that looks cool. It's not bad. Not bad. That being said, I I think Oregon always has the edge on them, and I think that that's why the Ducks will always be like a better destination for Pac-12 people because of the the stuff that they get to wear. Oh yeah. Because let's say. Let's, do they have the best college uniforms, would you say, across all sports, not just football? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I prefer more really? iconic jerseys than I do with flashy and style. I mean, they're really cool. The, the uniforms are able to roll out. They wear a different uniform every game because they can. Uh, but I'm more of an iconic, traditional person that I like seeing – you know, schools like Notre Dame and Alabama and Michigan, they roll out the same uniforms every year. What about Yale? I feel like they're a very classic one-two combo in terms of jerseys and uniforms. They kind of remind me of the BYU motif a little bit. I mean, it's it's simplistic, yeah. but it's still traditional. And Yeah, sure. Sure, I'll go with that. Okay. All right. Tell you Fair what, uh, we've gone down the rabbit hole, which, again, we like to do here in ESPN-UP, but we started talking about the – new uniforms in the NFL this year, and the Buccaneers updated theirs just a little bit. They updated that digital font, and they've added, uh, by the way, Michael, their type of orange that they are supplementing just a little bit in their uniform. It has a specific trait. It's called bay orange. So bay orange is the type of orange they're using on their uniforms. And it's not gold, but it's pewter. It's officially known as pewter rather than that old dark gold that the Buccaneers are going to be going with this year. Um, the team that I really thought had a terrible offseason for uniforms, Michael, was Atlanta. They're doing this thing where they, they uh, have the black primary uniforms with the white number outlined in red. I mean, that's pretty standard per usual. Above that, though, and in both jerseys, home and away, they've got the letters ATL to simplify the uh, spelling of Atlanta. I personally hate it, Michael, when teams do that. I think the only team that can get away with doing that is New Orleans, uh, uh, the Pelicans being NOLA. But I hated it when Philadelphia did that, and they just had Phila on their jerseys. I just uh, – <laughs> PHX for uh, for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, I hate it when teams do that. It's not a good look. You can kind of get away with it in the NBA, but not the NFL. I just I, – I hate the new Falcons jerseys. I would, well, yeah. Um, it, mm, I don't like the Falcons jerseys strictly because they remind me of the longest yard. But, uh, <laughs> right? I had never put that together before that, but they do look like the Atlanta Mean Machine. Thank you. I, I can't believe I hadn't put that together. Yeah, so they remind me of that. And I think the – who was it? I think the Carolina Panthers were the first people to point that out. Mm -hmm. But So I'll give them credit, but – yeah, uh, I don't like it for the most part. And when it comes to lettering, I mean, I, I'm sort of in the same boat with you. You got to put the entire, yeah, they're going to put the entire name of your city or your state, or you can't put anything at all. Mm -hmm. It just Nola, Nola, uh, even Nola, they sort of had to build up to that. They mm -hmm. didn't just go for it right away. They had other people. They had their fans call them Nola, and then after a couple years. Then they became NOLA. Like, even the Golden State Warriors, as somebody who watched them go from the Golden State Warriors and then constantly, as we got into the Steph Curry era, they were like, hey, start calling us the city. 
start calling us the city. And then they put the city on the jerseys. So that sort of made it work for some time. But even that, everybody was sort of like, come on, go back to the Warriors. Like, just go back to Golden State. So, yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat with you there. I like what you said a couple of minutes ago about the Panthers. Whoever runs the Panthers' social media account should get a raise, should be getting raises because, man, they're good this offseason. They uh, obviously did the meme machine comparison with the Atlanta uh, jersey reveal. And then yesterday when Gronk, I retweeted this on my own Twitter, uh, when Gronk announced that he was going to Tampa Bay, the Panthers tweet the New Year's Eve video, to remember that, with Gronk and Steve Harvey, and Gronk comes on stage and just makes a mess of things, and Steve Harvey is saying, why is this guy here? And the Panthers' social media pretty much won Twitter yesterday. For that. I was impressed. <laughs> I tell you, hey, man. It's been some, fun. There's some good sports accounts. Cleveland Indians, too. Very yep. good one. Yep. Well, I'm a Twins fan, so I try to avoid all things Cleveland Indians. <laughs> Still been a sore subject for me here the last few years, I tell you what. Uh, Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you here at ESPN-UP. We meant to talk some NFL draft this segment, Michael, and we – did not and uh, we'll do our darndest to get back on track plus we still have the hat of content coming up here uh, in the back half of our show that's next on ESPN UP if you're looking for more information or the latest news during Michigan's stay home safe lockdown ESPN UP has a few suggestions Marquette M-I.gov is the city of Marquette's website Marquette M-I.gov is the city of Marquette's website and can tell you what's going on locally. State news and ongoing updates can be found at michigan.gov slash coronavirus. And for handy hints and updates nationally, just visit fda.gov. We're keeping you in touch. ESPN-UP. Hello, this is Kelly George, President and CEO of MBank. We understand that there is a lot of uncertainty right now, but you can rest assured knowing your money is safe and secure with MBank. We remain in sound financial condition with strong levels of capital and liquidity to serve your financial needs, and our dedicated and experienced staff is here to help you through this challenging time. We have created a COVID-19 loan relief program to help alleviate some of the financial pressures you may face as a result of illness or workplace changes. Additionally, MBank is serving as a financial resource to small businesses in our communities, as we will be a primary processor for the various new SBA loan programs as a preferred lender partner of the SBA. As we collectively navigate these uncertain times and work together through social distancing measures to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, the safety and well-being of our employees, customers, and the communities we serve remains our top priority. We also remain focused on continuing to provide our essential services to you and thank you for your patience and flexibility. Please stay healthy, please stay safe, and good wishes to you all. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Now back to the sports pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Commissioner Oliver Luck is suing league founder Vince McMahon for wrongful termination. The XFL announced that it would be permanently suspending operations on April 10th. Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez are raising money in an attempt to purchase the New York Mets. Why? And finally, Toto the dog was paid $125 a week for his services while filming The Wizard of Oz. A dog somehow was paid $125 a week. Good agent. Very good agent. Good I agent. mean, what was it? Uh, 
there are people there are famous pets on the internet right now that get a ton of money right just for having good instagram accounts and i mean nfl insider leroy's got to get paid something right he has to i mean it's those breaking the gronk story it's worth a little bit of dough who is the most famous pet right now would you say i'm trying to think of some of these celebrity pets most famous pet i don't know i still think grumpy cat is probably the most famous. I know the Grumpy Cat has passed on since, but I mean that's still a really famous just animal I mean, in, in general. In like 2013, maybe, and President Obama, his family had a dog, and I think at the time the dog, the first family's pet, was the most famous pet in the country at the time. But I don't, I don't know what the dog's status is, and the Obamas are no longer in the White House. So I wonder what is the most famous pet in America right now, and Boy, that could be a segment in of its own. Uh, either or, at the risk of going down the rabbit hole again, Michael, let's go to the hat of content here before we do draft uh, draft talk and we keep going down there. I retired the leprechaun hat, Michael, because it was over a month ago that we brought it out because it was St. Patrick's Day week, and it is a month later. It's uh, closer to Cinco de Mayo than it is to St. Patrick's. Unfortunately, my sombrero's not here with me, so... Uh, you know, and that's not a joke, by the way. I've got a sombrero, and if I had it with me, I would <laughs> put the questions in the bo- or in the in the hat and shake it up. So here we go. Let me pull out a question here, and this is a fun one, Michael. This could be a good debate. You can only watch one. You can watch the Super Bowl or all games during the first weekend of March Madness. Which one would you pick? Give me a second. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year, most watched uh, sporting event yearly around the world. But March Madness, that first weekend, you get to watch multiple games. So that'd be 32 games. And that's where the upsets happen. Yeah. See, that's that's the – okay. But let's face it. You're only going to watch half of those games anyway because you're not going to watch the one versus six teams. You know what's going to happen there. Ah. You're probably not going to watch the – Really? I, you watch the one versus 16? Sure. Other than the UMBC, I don't remember the last time I watched the one versus 16. Okay. And not because not because I don't think that the one versus 16 are good games. They can be. But because I know who's going to win those. The two versus 15s, I'm sort of in the same boat. I'll watch the three versus 14s. That's where things start getting interesting to me. Okay. I mean, last year I had two three versus 14 upsets in my bracket, but obviously neither of those came to be true. But Still, I mean, it is a lot more games, and we're living in an era right now where I would die for anything, right? Mm-hmm. I would I would do a lot of things to watch a couple games. So it makes me want to see March Madness just so I can have a lot more content, but at the same time, I mean, at the same time, <laughs> the Super Bowl – is more than the Super Bowl, right? Mm. When you're watching the Super Bowl, you realize that you're watching for more than just the game itself. You're also watching for the incredible commercials, the incredible trailers that are coming out, the halftime show for the most part. When they don't screw SpongeBob over, it's a great thing. So I'd probably say the Super Bowl, if I'm being completely honest. Right. Also because I love football far more than I love basketball. All right. All right. But, yeah, 
but I think that's a really tough one. That's a good one, man. Yeah, that's, that, that, it's, that's something, you know, I think uh, I think I'm going to put that on Twitter. I'm going to put up a poll, uh, put that on the poll gear, because uh, I'm interested to see if people feel the same way, you know, and they go through the same I think, thought I process. Think on a very surface level sort of thing, it's like, well, you can watch more. So obviously you go with March Madness. But when you like – and if people like basketball just as much as they like football, I'd probably agree with them. But, I mean, because the Super Bowl is so much more. You can invite people over. The Super Bowl just brings up happy feelings to me. Just brings up happy feelings. Whereas March Madness – first day my entire brackets ruined all of a sudden so it's a little bit of sadness mixed in with excitement but yeah you know that's a good thought process the only thing that i would hate is if it back but because to me the ncaa tournament is the safe pick because you know there are going to be some entertaining upsets what if you pick the super bowl like how mad would you be and it's like 43 to 8 like the seattle denver super bowl from a few years ago i think that was super bowl 48 or it was last year's super bowl and it was 13 to 3 uh, that would be the only downside if the Super Bowl's an absolute dud and you gave up on watching the first weekend of March Madness. Well, there are, I mean, for every one of those, you're going to have a Super Bowl that happened this just a couple of months ago with mm-hmm. the Niners and Chiefs, where it was a fantastic one. So, yeah, you could get a bad one, but more than likely you're going to see two of the best teams in the country, two of the best teams and going at it and it's going to be a good time that's the risk you take so you're going to gamble and you're going to say super bowl and hopefully get a good one i tell you what i like that i like that thought process that was a fun question here and i had a content uh we will get to the nfl draft now let's not let's not push that off anymore um michael you've got some thoughts on one particular wide receiver and as we know this is a very good wide receiver draft your thoughts on henry ruggs let me ask you before I get into this. Mm-hmm. Who are your top five receivers in this year's draft? We'll rank them in order, one to five. Oh, boy. Um, remember how I said I'm only at about my top five picks and my mock? <laughs> the receivers oh, are okay. a big part of Fair that. Um, Jerry Judy is obviously a top five guy. C.D. Lamb, I think, is a top five guy. Uh, I would say Ruggs is probably around that three, four, five range in terms of best wide receivers in this draft. Um, man, I want to say Justin Jefferson, but he's right along that fringe, and I, I'd probably put uh, T. Higgins maybe at number six. Yeah. Yeah, see, so everybody has Henry Ruggs in that sort of three position, mm-hmm. right behind Jerry, Judy, C. Lamb. I've seen some people even put Henry Ruggs at number one, mm. and I am so sick of it. I am so annoyed by this speed demon being hailed as the top wide receiver in his class when he wasn't even the top wide receiver option on his own team. It's so annoying to me, and I I don't know. Like, I've talked about speed demons on your show before where I just don't think that they work out. The only one that has worked out in the NFL that I can remember of is Tyreek Hill and a little bit T.Y. Hilton, but T.Y. Hilton was drafted more for his prowess on special teams rather than his ability with just pure speed. Tyreek Hill was drafted strictly on his ability to use speed and then turned that into special team performance. You know who I think of when I think of Henry Ruggs and what he did at Alabama? Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown? No. I think of Darius Hayward Bay. Ouch. Right? And I know that that might not look as or might not sound very good, 
in terms of like Ruggs's production, production, projected production. And you're right, it doesn't, as it should. Because Darius Hayward Bay is another guy who was on a team that underperformed that year. Wasn't the best option in terms of pure offensive weapons on that team during his senior season, but still somehow got a whole bunch of hype because strictly he's fast, man. He's blazing. But guess what? Speed isn't everything in the NFL. Only one guy, Tyree Kill, has made speed something that he can live off of entirely. John Ross couldn't make it work. Dante Pettis couldn't make it work. Darius Hayward Bay couldn't make it work. And now we get to Henry Ruggs and we're like, oh, this is the guy. This is the one that's going to make it work. No, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. He's the guy who for seven games this year didn't record an average of three receptions. A there was a streak of seven games where he recorded 20 receptions. 20 in seven games. That's uh, underproductive. Over yeah, over a 16-game season, that's gonna that's a net of about 50, 50 receptions a, a season. Yeah, it's not what you want. And you're gonna you're gonna pick. waste a, a you're gonna waste a first-round pick on that. Tell you that's, what, don't, don't uh, even get me started. Let me. I do want to get you started though. I want to wind you up and watch you go. That's why we have you here on ESPN UP. <laughs> um, if you're a GM, Michael, and Henry Ruggs keeps falling, people are thinking the same way you are. How far would he have to fall for you to draft Henry Ruggs? I would probably draft him mid second round. Really? You'd let him slip all the way to forty, fifty? Yep, absolutely. Wow. I'm so, uh, where, where would you have drafted John Ross? Like, let's let's take a trip back. John Ross is getting a lot of talk, uh, or was getting a lot of talk coming into that one. Where was he drafted in general? I can't remember exactly, but I know that he was, I know that he really had a lot of hype surrounding him. Mm -hmm. Ninth overall. John Ross was drafted ninth overall. As we've seen in his first couple of years in the NFL, where would you take him now in terms of just what he's put up? Where would you draft him? Um, sixth, seventh round, if, all, if, if at all. Thank you. So now I'm dropping Henry Ruggs, a guy with a similar skill set, to the mid-second round, and you're saying that that's, a two, that that's not being generous enough to him? I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I mean, you make a strong case. I can't necessarily poke holes in, but – I, I don't I just don't get the feeling that he's going to turn out to be John Ross. Is that kind of speed? I think there's uh, something you can work with there. I mean, he's got talent. He would, I mean, I don't know. He's never had that, or at least in college, he never had that opportunity to be the guy because Jerry Judy was always there, and Jerry Judy was more of a threat than he was. At the absolute best, I think that Henry Ruggs could sort of work as a Will Fuller type, where he's somebody that distracts the defense enough to open up more space for DeAndre Hopkins. Right. But if you're going to waste a first-round pick on a player who is strictly working as a number two option that works to open up your number one, that's not worth a first-round pick. That's worth a third, a fourth, maybe a second. All right. You know? All right, fair enough. I see your logic in it. Uh, before we hit the break, you're a 49ers fan. Two picks coming up in the first round tomorrow night. Who are they taking, or who do you want them to take? I want them to take either Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb with that 13th overall pick. If neither of them are available, if they take Henry Ruggs, I swear, because I'd much rather <laughs> them take I'd much rather them take either Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw. I doubt Derek Brown's going to be available, but I like Javon Kinlaw coming out of South Carolina, filling that role. 
that DeForest Buckner has left now that he's gone to Indianapolis. So I'd really like that to happen. And then with that 31st overall pick, if they could grab a cornerback, because Richard Sherman's great, but he's not fast. So they need a cornerback that can match up with speed demons. Devontae Adams and Sammy Watkins really showed the weaknesses that Sherman currently has in his game. So a speed cornerback, somebody that can prevent the deep ball. That's who I'd like them to pick at number 31. Dan but Roops. it's more likely they trade down from that one. Dan Roops, John Michael, hopefully with you here in ESPN-UP. Glad to have you along. More draft talk next, plus what the NBA G League is doing to reshape basketball next on ESPN-UP. Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny, color-matched finish. With over 26 years of experience, Dave, with the help of his qualified staff, has the knowledge to restore your vehicle to pre-accident condition. Make the right decision. Choose Dave's Collision. Call 485-1211. That's 485-1211. Now back to the Sports Pen. Here's Tanner Hoop. Or get our free mobile app from the Apple Ice Store or Google Play. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hopling with you here in ESPN-UP. Just over 24 hours away from the NFL Draft. Boy, it's going to be fun. Always looking forward to this, and especially given our current situation, I think everyone who has been looking forward to it is looking forward to it even more. Um, We continue to talk with some of these first-round talents, Michael. I mean, do you expect there to be any surprise with the top two picks? Is it pretty much set in stone it's going to be Burrow and Chase Young? I think it is pretty much set in stone. Should it be? No. I think the Cincinnati Bengals should pick Chase Young, but they're going to pick Joe Burrow. So, um, yeah, I think that number one and number two are set in stone. Number three is where we start getting a little, who knows, you know? Right. We start thinking about it a little bit more. And my conversations with Dave Burkett, the Lions beat writer this week, have led me to be honestly shocked if the Lions do anything other than take Jeff Akuda at number three. So, to me – The real draft is going to start at number four with the New York Giants, and they have a ton of needs that they could be filling, but they'll probably go with the best player available. That seems to be how Dave Gettleman drafts, and that'll probably be Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker from Clemson. So he's number four in my mock, and number five I think is where Tua is going to end up going. I think Tua is going to go to the Dolphins at number five. Yeah, Tua is going to the Dolphins. That's 100% happening because – and I'll tell you why it's happening. Because – long, long time ago, I can still remember how the Dolphins passed on a guy named Drew Brees, an injury-prone quarterback out of Purdue who had a lot of great tools, but, I mean, he's injury-prone, so how's that going to work out? And then fast forward to just a couple of years ago, the Dolphins passed on a guy named Deshaun Watson who was injury-prone in college, and it's like, yeah, he's great, but, I mean, he tore his ACL, so how's that going to hold up? Now they get to this year. And there's another injury-prone cornerback who, a quarterback who won a national championship. And you're like, oh, man, I mean, he's great, but he's injury-prone. So, I mean, how's that going to hold up? 
the Dolphins aren't going to let it happen this time. All right, all right. So Tua going to the Dolphins. Well, you think about the outlook, or at least those Miami fans, they're just going to have so much hope because I, I firmly believe a couple of days uh, from now they're going to have Tua at quarterback. They're going to have DeAndre Swift out of Georgia at running back. I think they take him at number 25 overall. Um, okay. I don't know who they pick with that middle first-round pick. I'm still working on that. There's a few pieces here. Do you, really, the- do you really think they're going to pick a running back? They just signed Jordan Howard. I, I do think they they'll take a running K- they back. They still have Kalen Balage, who has been hyped up ever since he came into the league. They had I don't some, know. Some guy named Laird was playing running back for them last year. I just, I, I do think that they're going to go running back again. I mean, I get it. Howard is, he does his job. He's fine, but you can't have a primary back playing the style of football that he plays. And, you know, 25, I think, is about where their running backs are going to start to go off the board here. I think that's where we're going to first start seeing a running back get drafted. I think DeAndre Swift from Georgia is going to Miami at 25. Okay, fair enough. I'm putting him in my mock there. Um, Let me ask you about another player, Michael, and this one is just – He's, a, he's an enigma, and that's Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Utah State. Now, he is a projected first-rounder. He has been compared with the style that he plays to Patrick Mahomes. He had a pretty good sophomore season at Utah State, albeit you know the strength of schedule is not great in the conference they play in. Most recently, though, he did not have a, a great junior year. He had a touchdown-interception ratio that was – barely positive he completed less than 60 percent of his passes i mean other than he kind of resembles pat mahomes a little bit with the style that he has i don't see what's so attractive about jordan love he's not somebody that i'm going to spend a first round pick on what about you i absolutely would i would absolutely spend a first round pick on this guy um he does sort of resemble the play of uh patrick mahomes patrick mahomes is a guy who in his last two years threw for double-digit interceptions. you got to keep that in mind. He threw for more interceptions than games played this sophomore season. So he had a little bit of that decision-making problem, too. Yeah, yeah, in college, I mean, yeah, yeah. Of course, the NFL happened, and then (laughs) everything went absurd. I mean, technically, his first year, he did have have as many interceptions as games played. But that's beside the point. But what made Patrick Mahomes so good? What made him really flush out his decision-making problems from college. And I know I've said great things about Alex Smith and whatnot, but I really think that I legitimately think that that helped him flush out his decision-making because his biggest drawback in college was that he does throw a little bit of interceptions and just sort of gung hose it every once in a while. But taking an entire year to sit behind a guy who is known for good decision-making calm decision-making, not forcing bad decisions and whatnot, and really mixing those two styles of play is what molded Patrick Mahomes from a really good quarterback into possibly the greatest, most talented quarterback we've ever seen. So if you're going to take Jordan Love with the first overall pick, you need to put Jordan Love in that same situation. Put him behind a quarterback who's known for making very, very good decisions. That being said, where are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picking? Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Either way. You think that's it? I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Green Bay Packers are the three teams that could really use a guy like Jordan Love. Let me ask they you this. Eight, like, 
This is a really interesting topic that was brought up a couple of days ago by our own Lewis Riddick, NFL insider at ESPN. And you talk about some teams that, and certainly this is someone uh, with a history of drafting quarterbacks behind a great one. What if, at number 17 overall, the Dallas Cowboys select Jordan Love? Now, here's the thing. There's still certainly in contract disputes with Dak Prescott. That relationship is a little bit fractured. Mike McCarthy, he drafted quarterbacks all the time when he was coaching the Packers, even though he had Aaron Rodgers so they could learn and develop under under Rodgers. I don't know that I'd put it past the Cowboys to take Jordan Love at number 17. I don't think that'd be a good look for the for the Cowboys. No, it wouldn't, and but I, they might do it. Well, and the reason I think that worked out with the Packers is because they had a Hall of Fame talent at quarterback, somebody who was able to carry an entire offense to the point where they didn't need to draft pieces around him because they just had Rodgers lead them to the playoffs every time. The Cowboys aren't in that same boat. Dak Prescott's fine, but he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's barely a pro bowler, you know? So they can't I, I don't think they're in a boat or in a position. I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs last year. They didn't even win their division. So they're gonna draft somebody who's not gonna play at all. I don't think they're in that situation yet. I don't think that was because of lack of talent though. I mean that they maybe had the most talented roster in football last year. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But what are the three most important things? Protecting your quarterback, getting to the opposing team's quarterback, and your quarterback. Okay. And let's face it, Dak Prescott's not the best. He's fine. He's serviceable. He's a Joe Flacco, in my opinion. Really? I know that. Yes, 100%. But, I don't know if I agree, but okay. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. A lot of people aren't going to agree with that. <laughs> but they just they just lost Travis Frederick, which is somebody that protects the quarterback and was a huge factor in Ezekiel Elliott's run game. Mm. Just being able to use those power options, the trap options, the center is so important in those. So they lost that, and their pass rush is fine. Demarcus Lawrence is a great pass rusher, but outside of Lawrence, I don't know if they have a spectacular pass rush. So there's still a lot of pieces revolving around those three main core things that they need to do, and I doubt that getting a quarterback at 17 would be the best move for them. Would I I put it out of the question? No, as you said, Mike McCarthy is a history, but I think in his first year as head coach, he's going to go with something much safer, you know? I tell you what, it's possible, and you're right. It it all depends on what the needs are and who's still available at 17. Um, here's this theory that I just want to run by you here before we briefly go to the NBA G League, and Will Kane was talking about this on his show yesterday. He said, man, if you – are in a position you're kind of in no man's land with your first overall pick and you uh you you don't really have a need that you can necessarily fill or nobody who is worthy of going there is available right there do you just draft a quarterback because his theory was quarterbacks are like capital they're like trade investments um because if you don't have somebody that you like or you need available right then and there you take a quarterback, a guy who maybe you can convince somebody to put out a trade for you, come back with a couple of draft picks for him, and then go get somebody that you actually need. You know, if if the uh, the Lions decide that they want to a tongue of Iloa at number three, you know, they could use a corner, but they probably aren't gonna aren't gonna live and die if they don't have a corner. I think their needs go beyond that. If the Lions got to it number three and they could convince somebody this is the quarterback you need, 
and they return they get uh return a few picks for him i mean that's that's a theory it's a kind of a wild theory but i want to get your thoughts on that my first thought is why wouldn't you just trade the pick then if the lions are thinking about picking two at three i know we all know that the dolphins and chargers are both super interested in two at five and six why not just call up the dolphins and chargers and say hey we're about to pick two at three do you want this pick? Well, because if you do that, then you have no segment. It's like a horror movie where if the characters made good decisions, there wouldn't be a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'd be without the storyline. But, I mean, that's my first thought is why wouldn't the team just do that then? Like, sure, you could draft the quarterback, but that's like that's like extra steps. It's just the people in the in the horror movie making the bad decisions to prolong the time, you know? If they made the good decision, if they just moved out of the haunted house and whatnot, the movie would be over right away. But So, yeah, it's prolonging it, but it's the same effect, you know? It's the same exact thing. Right. The, the family got rid of the demon. The right. family, the family found, the, found out the killer's identity. So it's the same thing, just over a shorter period of time. I respect that, you know, I, and I guess the only argument could be, could that pick gain value if he, you know, he has a good training camp, something you convince him, but then again, you have the combine. Um, yeah, you have, to keep, you have to keep in mind, too, that while he has a lot of potential, and most people are saying he's a first-round talent, some teams don't even see him as a second round or a third round. Mm -hmm. I've heard reports from as from his high as he's a top-five pick to as low as he's a fourth-round talent. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to keep that in mind, too. Not everybody feels as greatly as the Dallas Cowboys might about it. I did want to get to the NBA G League. I don't think we're going to have time to do so, but the G League is actively reaching out to multiple prospects in the 2021 draft class about skipping college and playing professionally directly and trying to turn the G League into essentially minor league for basketball. Unfortunately, in the interest of time, though, I don't think we're going to be able to do that today. Always good talking, my man, and always appreciate you being on here. Anything coming up at ABC 10 we should be aware of? Not entirely. We're working on trying to come up with more things. Obviously, our UP team of the year bracket is still going on. We are down to our final 12 teams, so after this week, we'll be down to the Elite Eight, which is going to be great. No more Westwood teams, though, in this entire thing, though. Unfortunately. I, I, you know how I feel about it, but, man, I'm still excited to see how that bracket pans out. Yeah, so, so are we. But we're thinking after that entire thing is done, we might move into a who's the best athlete from this year. We'll take those teams, take the best of the best, and start throwing them out there and see who the fans really took to this past year. So we were thinking about doing something like that. But aside from the bracket as of right now, we're just looking at the draft and sort of working on that. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hopling, thanks for being with us here on ESPN-UPWZAM. Ishpeming Marquette.